you made it out on pony penny week end. You know, wow, that says a lot for you. I pray for you as you leave the church that you do not lose your religion or your relationship with Jesus Christ, especially as you go across the causeway later. All right. I'm going to go ahead and end this uh, series this morning on Samson. I don't know about you, I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, the, the whole series that we've done here. And, uh, but this morning, we're going to look right into Samson and Judges chapter 16. We'll get to the scriptures here in just a minute. But what I'm going to do is here, I'm going to catch you up. This is a four-week series. Uh, the first week, we talked about different attitudes of Samson. Uh, we, we talked about different things that, that caused him to, to stumble, to fall. We looked at the attitude of lust. You know, that whole thing of I want it. That wanting of something in life. That wanting of something that drives us to go further and beyond that what we need to. You know what I'm talking about. We all have those things that when they're approached before us, that we just go, you know what, we gravitate and we want to go after them. Whether it's something in the sexual manner, if it's something in a materialistic manner, if it's something in emotions, or it's whatever it is, we all have experienced just that in our life. And we understand that's an attitude that brought him down. We also looked at the uh, spirit of entitlement. In other words, I deserve it, right? We've all had moments in our life where we looked at different things and we said, you know what, I deserve that right now. You know, maybe you're on a car lot and you're like, you know what, I deserve that. Yeah, you do. You deserve that massive payment, right? You know, uh, maybe you're, you're in a moment where, where you're with friends and you deserve, you know, I deserve your respect. So what we do is we go in with the spirit of entitlement in many things. And we look at, you know what, I deserve this. So, you know what, not only do I want it, but I deserve it. All right. We looked at uh, uh, Samson and, and uh, how, you know, God blessed him. God blessed him with tremendous giftings and abilities and talents. God gave him a supernatural strength, all of which was, was, which was to uh, go forth in God's plan and God's will for his life. And what was that? That was to help uh, free the oppression of God's people. So God had a plan and, you know, everything being given to Samson, all of this power, all of this divine calling, and like so many of us, messed up what? Time and time and time and time again. I think all of us in this room, especially if you've been a part of the sermon series, you could relate yourself to his story in one, in one fashion or another. You could relate yourself to Samson. You could relate to his struggles. You could relate to his hardships. You could relate to his shortcomings. He was an incredibly strong man, but he had a dangerously weak will. We understand that he broke his vows to God, chasing after the wrong things, touching the wrong things, taking into his body the wrong things, going against the Nazarite vow which was spoken over him. We, lo we looked at his emotions, how he was emotionally driven rather than being what? Spirit-led. We've talked about that, and, and, and we, we looked at our lives in the sense of that. You know, how many times have we acted off of emotion? When something is first brought to our attention, we act off of emotion. We have an action or we have a reaction to something. And then how many times have we done that and then stepped back from it for a day or two or maybe a week or maybe a month or six months down the road and was like, if I could do that over, I would. I would. So we looked at that he was very emotionally driven rather than being spiritually led. And this is something that brought about a downfall in his life. We looked at that most don't ruin their lives in one event, but what? We ruin our lives what? One step at a time. 
one step at a time. You know, an addict doesn't become an addict the first moment. It's one step at a time. A marriage doesn't fail by a husband and wife just waking up one day saying, you know what, forget this. It's one step at a time. Oftentimes in our spiritual lives, many, many of which, you know, sometimes we go, we wake up one day and you're like, I don't, you know what, I'm just not going to serve God now. Well, I don't think we just wake up thinking that way. I believe it's one step at a time. And we, we looked at that and we said, well, how do we remedy that? How, how do we correct that type of attitude? How do we correct that type of thinking? Turn around. Completely turn around. We take that one step toward the wrong direction. We take that next step to the wrong direction. If you recall in last week's message, we read a scripture that was very short, but very, uh, it, was very it was emphasized in the message very strongly. And it said that Samson served God faithfully for how many years? I know somebody was listening. How many years did Samson serve God faithfully? He said, 20 years. We looked at it, he had so many moments, so many issues. And when, where, where, do we, where does God meet us sometimes? In our deepest need. And so Samson, we read through the scriptures that he went to God in his deepest need. And what did God do? God answered. And the scripture following said that he served God faithfully for 20 years. And then the next scripture said, but what? One day. One day he went to Gaza. One day he went to go be with the Philistines. One day he went exactly into the environment that was going to cause a moral failure in his life, which resulted in a spiritual failure. His conditions right now in this story can raise so many questions. What do you do when you realize that you've blown it? What do you do when you realize you failed? What do you do when, when you've given up on yourself? What do you do when you realize, you know what, God, I have wasted my giftings and talents? I, I know there was a season in my life when I stepped back and then I questioned myself in the same manner. God, what do I do now? What do I do now when I've allowed myself to be environments that are not lining up with your word? What do I do now when I allow myself to get caught up in, 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 in situations, emotions, or relationships that are not a part of your will for my life? God, what do I do now? We've all been in that situation. We've hurt people that we've loved, and we've been embarrassed over our actions. We've seen whole kinds of failures, and it's been personal in our life for most of us. Our greatest fear is that we don't want to fail. But we want to what? We want to measure up. I've never met somebody who didn't say they wanted to be successful. We want success. We want the reward from success. We want the acknowledgement from success. We want to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror and know that we have done the best that we possibly can and that we've been successful in this walk in our spiritual life. But our greatest pain is regret. Statements like this, I wish I could have. Why didn't I do things differently? I should have gone this direction rather than that direction. Samson's story teaches us something this morning that we're going to embrace, that we're going to internalize, is this. Just because you failed at something, it doesn't mean that you are a failure. 
Let me repeat that statement to you. Just because you failed at something, that does not mean that you're a failure. What does that mean? That means this. Failure is not a person. Failure is an event. Failure is not a person, but rather failure is an event. Oftentimes we look and we go, well, that person's a failure. You look at yourself in the mirror, oh, you know, I'm a failure. I've done wrong. I've messed up. I shouldn't have. And so we bring condemnation upon ourselves. We bring retribution upon ourselves. And we start tearing down what God is trying to build up by making statements as if I'm a failure. But understanding that failure is an event. It is not a person. In Samson's life, we see a guy who failed over and over again. And then when it looks like that he failed too much, God somehow showing his love uses him again. Over and over again. I kind of look at Samson's life and I'm like, wow, you know, we got a lot of similarities there. Not completely. All right. But I look at the victories and the failures, the victories and the failures, the victories and the failures. But after, after a while, you have so many failures, those victories become less and less. Because in our mind, we begin to label ourselves as a failure. We begin to label ourselves as someone who cannot live according to the spiritual disciplines that God gives us. You're not a failure because failure is not an event. Or excuse me, failure is an event. It's never a person. Judges chapter 16, verse 23. We're going to get right into the word of God here. And he says this. Now the rulers of Philistines, of the Philistines. These are the bad people, right? These are the bad guys. They assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their God, and to celebrate saying, our God Dagon has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. Let's pause there for just a quick second. You need to understand something. I need to break this down for you. Here you have the Philistines. They are assembling, all right? Typically, this would be an assembling into a temple. But this temple was probably just a little different than other temples. It would almost be like a megachurch today, all right? It was a lot of open area, but it was stacked with, with different levels for people to be in. So we understand that there was probably approximately somewhere between 3,000 to 5,000 people in attendance in this moment. That's a big crowd. That's very large. Now, their God, Dagon, was a God that had the head of a man. Or excuse me, no, no. Yeah, the head of a fish and the body of a man. Does that make any sense? Who in the world would want to serve something like that? You know? That is crazy. Verse 24 goes on to say, but when the people saw Samson... They praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemy into our hands. The one who, what? Laid waste our land. Now stop there for a second. Laid waste our land. If you recall, first of all, I want to let you understand, your enemy doesn't forget. Understand that. Your enemy doesn't forget. And your enemy is always waiting on the opportune time, correct? He's always waiting on that moment that we become the most weak. So here in that scripture, it says, um, when, they, when the people saw Samson, they praised their God, saying, our God has delivered our enemies into our hands, the one who laid waste our land. Now understand what they're talking about here. If you recall, I believe it was in the first week that we were talking in regards to this, this series, that Samson took 150 pairs of foxes 
tied their tails together, put torches on them, and sent them out into their crop. That, that just had to be the most chaotic mess that your mind could even try to comprehend or think of. Think about that for a minute. These people did not forget that. They were excited. They were showing excitement. They were showing enthusiasm because they seen what their enemy Samson had done to them and now they have captured their enemy Samson and they're remembering what Samson had done. You know, I want to take a break there for a moment because I believe that instead of the enemy looking and praising for, the, for, for, for capturing us and, and remembering what we have done to him, you know, sometimes I think our enemy praises us more than we praise our God. Sometimes I think we forget the attacks that the enemy has brought into our lives. And it's trying to bring what? Destruction. We understand what is he? He's like a roaring lion seeking who he may to what? Devour. What does he do? He's looking to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We must remember what the enemy is about and what he's trying to do in our lives. But when God shows up and there's a victory moment and God captures our enemy right before us, we should begin to act in a spirit of worship and a spirit of praise that our enemy begins to tremble and fear knowing that our God is on our side. Some of you are looking forward to seeing the ponies rather than hearing a message. One who laid waste our land and multiplied our slain. Stop right there for a second. Here's what happened. The enemy right there is remembering. If you remember, what did he take? He, take the, he took the jawbone of a donkey and he slayed a thousand of their men. The enemy in this moment is praising their God because they have captured their enemy and they are torturing their enemy. In this moment, the Philistines are praising their God. They are enthusiastic. I can't help but to sit there and I look at my life and I look at the struggles, I look at the defeats that the enemy has come upon me and has attacked me on, but I can stand here as a child of God, blood brought through the blood of Jesus Christ and knowing regardless of what the enemy brings in my way, I am victorious. Amen. Amen. Goes on to say, while they were in <clears throat> high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to, what, entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Doesn't get any lower than this for him. He's totally and completely, 100% shamed in front of God's enemies. Samson has failed immensely. Samson has, has gone against the provision and the direction and the will of God in his life time and time and time again. And in this moment, he's probably thinking in his mind, that's it. I'm done. What else? There are two responses to failure. The first one is this. The natural response to failure is this, remorse. Remorse. I feel bad about what I did. I shouldn't have done it. I'm a bad person. Sometimes that remorse will turn inward and will say things like, I'm horrible, I'm no good, I'm the worst person who has ever lived, I have no future, I hate myself, 
hey, my life, any of this sound familiar? It turns inward on us. Other times, it turns outward into a kind of the, look, I'm the victim. This isn't my fault. I didn't do this. I didn't ask for this. It's this person's fault. Now, for some of us, if you recall the scripture that we talked about last week, we understand where Delilah continued trying to get Samson to tell the secret of his strength, and Samson continued to to show it, or or continued to, to lie to her, rather, time over time. And finally, she got to the point where the scripture says that she was what? Nagging him. And prodding him, right? See, some of you, you haven't read your Bible all week, but you remembered that part, didn't you? <laughs> Gentlemen, every, and all the men says amen to that, right? If you remember the first week, we understand what, uh, one, one of his women was called a heifer, right? Don't, let's not go there. Let's not do that, guys. You know, remorse doesn't allow you to move forward, but it only keeps you in yourself of, in your place of pity. Remorse, with remorse, there is no action. With remorse, there is no moving away from. Remorse says, I'm settled where I'm at. Remorse says, I'm going to dwell on my wrong. I'm going to dwell on my failure. See, some of you are like, well, Pastor Kevin, I think we need to have some remorse in our life. I'm not saying you don't, but you can't stay in it. We must all own up to what we have done. But you cannot stay in a state of remorse. The second attitude or the second uh, response to failure that we need to look at, and it's a better response, is this. Number two is repentance. I own it. It's my fault. I blew it. I did it. You know, most people don't ruin their lives in one moment, do they? They ruin their lives one step at a time. You turn around. Paul says this. Uh, we, and, and I say this many times, almost in all of my messages. It's somewhere it comes in. I don't know why. Maybe that's just like God trying to get my attention personally. But when sin or temptation comes our way and it's staring us before us, we must what? Flee. We must turn away. We must go the other direction. Remorse forces or focuses on the bad. It looks back to all the things that we have done wrong, and it keeps us in a state. It keeps us in a state of failure. But repentance allows us to move forward. Re means to turn. Pent means the highest. We must turn from our sinful way and go after God's highest. You know, um, I got to give credit to Mr. Larry Parsons here for, for this moment that I'm going to speak on on something. But he, he uh, it's probably a, a year ago, maybe, or, or shorter than that. Him and I, we had a conversation over at his establishment over there. And uh, Woody's Barbecue, it's a good place to eat. <laughs> should go check it out after service. He can use your business. So anyway, uh, we were talking one day, and, and he was talking about, you know, sorry to, you can get mad at me later, but you'll get over it. Don't be remorseful. Repent, all right? 
But we were, we were talking about some, some uh, life situations, and, and, and he likes to help young people out and, and try to direct them in the path that they go. And, you know, he, he mentioned to me something of this sort. I may get a little bit wrong, but you'll understand where I'm taking it. Uh, you know, somebody comes up to me and they say, you know what, um, will you help me quit smoking? He'll look at him and go, tell me when you're going to quit smoking. I, I had to sit there for a minute and go, well, they just did. They just said, will you help me? He says, no, it needs to be, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit smoking. Um, people say, they go to a counselor and they'll go, you know what? And I've had him even come to me, I want a better marriage. Can you help us with our marriage? That's not turning away. That's not going the opposite direction. The attitude must be, we will have a better marriage. We will have a stronger relationship. I've had people come to me before, Pastor, will you pray with me that, I, that, that, that maybe I can have a, better, a stronger relationship with God? I've thought to myself, I should just stop praying for people when they say that. They need to say, I'm going to have a stronger relationship with God. Will you pray with me now? Our terminology, the way we are thinking must begin to change. See, when we go and we say, will you help? Will you assist? When we start doing that, it's as if we're saying we're still weak and we're not fully committed to this thing. But when we change things and say, I want, it's going to happen. That is when things begin to turn around and a new direction happens in our life. See, we're all going to do some things that you can't undo. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been a part of a group text? And you sent a message back thinking it was only directly to the person and not the group. Anybody ever done that? And you've severely stuck your foot in your mouth. I've not. So shame on you all. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But I will tell you what I did one time. And this has to do with you can't undo things. Let's just face it. You can't undo things. If you said it, it's out there. You did it. If you did it, you done it. You can't undo it. Stop living in remorse. Let's live in some repentance. Let me tell you a story. I worked for a company, and uh, I was a supervisor in it in, in my earlier years, which I'm not that old, by the way, really. I'm not. I'm not. I feel like I'm getting older, especially recently, but I'm not. And um, I had this young lady who was working for me, and, and, and you, know, you know, she just looked normal to me. But over time, I, I was like, her physique started to change. That's all I'm going to say. Her physique started to change. And, and in my mind, I was like, I think she's pregnant. So as her boss, you know where this is going, don't you? I went up to her and I was like, so what do you do? Oh, my Lord. She looked at me. She goes, I'm not pregnant. I've put on some pounds. I'm so sorry. Do you know how bad I felt? You know what's bad? I think literally that, that, go, that moment, I can vividly see that moment in my head. It's like permanently stamped. It is. It's one of those moments. It's one of those, oh man, I shouldn't have done that. You know, I learned a valuable lesson. Don't ever, gentlemen, don't, don't call them a heifer. All right. Don't let them know they're prodding you and nagging you. And don't ever say they're pregnant unless you fully know it. Wow. 
I believe that Samson had come to a point in his life where he remembers who he was created to be in this moment. He wasn't created to entertain his enemies. He wasn't created to be enslaved. He knew that there was a higher purpose for his life. He knew that he was created to be set apart by God to do something significant and powerful. I'm gonna stop there for a second because I want you to understand something. I don't know what failures you have gone through in your life, but you need to understand that you have been set apart and you've been called to do a higher calling than even where you're at right now. God has not given up on you, nor will God ever give up on you. God has got a design and he's got a plan. You may have made it a, a, a strong detour another way, but God is still gonna get you back on track. He's gonna get you to fulfill what he has called you to do. You are created to honor, to glorify God with your life. Don't let your spiritual enemy bring you into remorse and saying, looking back, I wish I had, or I could have, or I should have. Don't allow the statements to, to enter your mind or, or to sink into your spirit that you hate yourself and where I'm at today is all because it's my fault, but instead being repentant. Repentant says this, I'm not gonna let what I've done stop me from what God wants to do through me. I'm gonna turn away from my sinful way and I'm gonna turn toward God. You cannot change your past, but you can change your future. Don't internalize your failures. You are not what you did. You are not what you did. Failure is not a person. Failure is nothing more than an event. Verse 25 says this. <clears throat> when, they, when they stood him among the pillars. So understand, he's in the temple, and it's like the Colosseum has got these giant, you know, every time I look at the front of our church, I think of Samson. Because, but, but in my mind, I'm like, you know, they, they had to be closer because it just, it don't work out. You know what I mean? And, and these aren't holding up the building. They're just, Cardboard, by the way. <laughs> I don't know why you needed to know that. But this is what he says, verse 26. He says, put me where I can feel the pillars and to support the temple so I can lean against them. And this is what's so awesome. He says this. Samson prayed to the Lord. Oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. You need to underline that remember me. You need to highlight it. You need to, you need to like Facebook it. You know what I'm saying? Remember me. In that moment, Samson has a prayer, a divine appointment, I want to call it, a divine direction, a divine purpose. Remember, God had a reason for him, and that was to defeat the Philistines. That was to bring harm to them. Samson took it a different direction, but God is still going to have the what? Same outcome. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, remember me. Please strengthen me. And this is what he says. Oh, God, please strengthen me what? Just once more. I love that. Once more, strengthen me one more time. In other words, I've blown it a thousand times. 
and yet you've given me a thousand more chances. But God, I'm only asking just one more time. How many of you in this room can relate in this moment to Samson where you can go, I've blown it. I've blown it in my marriage. I've blown it in my jobs. I've blown it in my finances. I've blown it in my relationships. I've blown it in my relationship with God. Samson to the most desperate moment in his life. Full of shame, full of guilt, full of remorse. But he has this one moment of repentance where he says, Oh, sovereign God, remember me. Strengthen me just one more time. Here he is in the lowest point. Public humiliation. Just one more time, God. One more chance. Give me strength one more time. Use me one more time, God. The man who is down, he's obviously not out. But watch this. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purpose. Even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purpose. Verse 29 says this. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them. His right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Verse 30. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. It goes to show us that even in our failures, that God can still use us. Even though that we have messed up, our, our God's plan is not over yet. You are who God says you are. You are not what your events or failures define you as. Our God is not finished with you yet. Some of you in this room, it's time to come to the spot of repentance. You've been living your life full of remorse long enough. You'll never move ahead in remorse. There must come a time of repentance where you own up to your failures, but you have that prayer, God, just one more time, strengthen me. God, just one more time, give me another opportunity. God, just one more time, give me another chance. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's anger. Let's push that down. Maybe it's a moral failure. Let's push that down. Maybe it's a bad communication. Let's push that down. Maybe it's, you know, bad decision-making in your finances. Let's, God, you know what? Let's push that down. Whatever it is that you're going through, whatever the struggle is in your life, our prayer must be, Lord, one more time. God is not finished yet. We must turn from our sin and we must turn toward God and watch God show us how powerful he is. I love this Proverbs 24 and 16. I don't have that scripture for you, but it says, though a righteous man falls seven times, what? He rises again. You can do it. You're a Christ follower. 
You have the resurrection power in your life. Paul said this, I die daily. Understanding that the world is yet to see what God can do through one person who will wholly surrender unto him. I want to repeat that statement for you for a moment. The world is yet to see what God can do through one person who wholly surrenders to him. Have you wholly surrendered these events, these failures? Have you wholly surrendered to him in your life? If you're still living in remorse, then the answer to that is no. It's time to move on. It's time to move beyond that. It's time to get, you cannot control what you've done. All you can control is what you're going to do. You can't change the past, but you can make your present a lot more fruitful. And the question this morning to us and the challenge that's laid before us is are we willing to do that? Are we willing to repent? Are we willing to turn to God? When you do that the world has yet to see what God can do through one person who is totally, wholly surrendering themselves to him. Remember this, I was created and set apart by God to do something differently. Stand with me this morning. I know what it's like <clears throat> to live a life of regret. I think all of us in this room know what it's like to walk in those footsteps of shame and, and remorse, to walk in those footsteps of I shouldn't have and, man, why do I just keep messing up over and over again? And to walk in those footsteps of, you know what, I don't even want to wake up the next morning. Don't even want to step outside. Don't, don't even want to go out into the community because I know what people think. I know what my reputation has begun or become. I think we know what that feels like. I know for me, it, 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 it wasn't well. I don't like to look at myself and, and go, you know, what, what, a, what a screw up this has become. What a mess up this has become. You know, what, what, look, look at the direction that I've gone in. It's completely opposite to the, than the direction that God has laid out before me. But yet, what we need to understand is regardless, God's purpose is still going to come through you. Sometimes, like Samson, we take a, a detour. And, you know, I can't say that that was God's plan for his life. I believe the outcome of defeating the enemy was... But how it happened? Probably not so. You see, I look at life and I go, I think to myself, you know, God's plan might be to go this way and I might be going this way, but the objective is still the same over there. When I come before him in repentance, it's like God directly takes me to an exit and puts me right back on the right road, right back on the right path. I might have skipped some things that really been, would have been fruitful for my life. But somewhere along the way, they meet right back up to me. Somewhere along the way, God brings them right back to my life. You know, I thank God for the struggles and the trials. I thank you for those moments of question because that's where 
the challenge happens and, and we grow. We grow. But remorse isn't a moment where you're going to grow. Remorse is a moment where we're going to stay where we're at. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to stay where I'm at. I need to understand that I need to go after repentance. Repentance says, you know what? I'm going to own up to it. It's time to change some things. And it's no longer, Lord, I want to do this. It's, Lord, we're going to do this. Today, Lord, that addiction will be broken. Today, God, this marriage will come back together. Today, God, I'm going to make better, sound financial decisions. Today, Lord, begins a new day. Today, God, my relationship with you will grow stronger. No longer will our prayer be in question, but rather in decision. I've decided it and it's done. So my, my challenge this morning would be this. If you've been living in remorse and you can't, you can't get over what you have done, it's time to decide that today enough is enough. Today starts new. Today, Lord, I become repentant. Today, God, my relationship with you will be strong, stronger than it ever has, and every day thereafter will continue to grow. Not God, Lord, I'm praying that you will help me for it to grow. No, today, God, it happens. I think God likes those bold statements. I believe God looks for those bold statements out of us. You know, it's, it's kind of like if your child came up to you and was like, can you help me do this? Sure, you're gonna help. But you know what, I like it. When he comes and he says, we know we're gonna do it. And then he starts doing it himself. There's a sense of accomplishment there. I think God looks at us the same way. Sure, he's gonna be there to help. He's gonna be there to strengthen, but he loves it when you go, you know what, we're doing it now. So my question to you this morning is who is willing to say, I'm gonna change this terminology. It's not gonna be remorseful any longer. It's not I should've or I couldn't or man, I wish I didn't. It's whatever, it's over. We're moving forward today. Today's a brand new day. Today's a new start. Today's a new beginning. God, I love you so much. And I thank you for every person that's in this room. Thank you for every heart, every soul. I thank you for the one who's closest to you. And I thank you, Lord, for the one who's just even the furthest from you. But Father, in the next moment is gonna be a life-changing moment for some. Unfortunately, there will be those who will walk out of this room not impacted. But I believe, Lord, fortunately, there will be those who will walk forward and they will leave here today going, Today is a brand new day. Today, God, everything starts afresh, a new. Because God, just give us one more opportunity today. One more chance, Lord, today. Today, God, we become solid. Today, Father, we become concrete. So my question to you this morning is if that is you this morning, and you want to make it a concrete decision. You want to make it solid. You want to have repentance rather than remorse. I'm going to ask you to step out from where you are 
and to come up and meet me here at this altar because I believe that God is going to meet you in your deepest need in this moment. The decision is yours.